Hello, and welcome to the Pennsylvania Chamber's All Business Podcast, featuring the perspectives and unique insights of the Commonwealth's most dynamic executives, entrepreneurs, and leaders. My name is Bill Miller, and I'm the Western Pennsylvania Member Executive for the PA Chamber. And my name is Rick Moran. I'm the Director of Marketing for the PA Chamber. Our guest today is Brian Tedeschi, owner of PA Chamber member company Think Communications Inc., an integrated marketing communications agency based in Pittsburgh. So um, our conversation with Brian was fantastic. Um, we went into a bunch of different topics. We talked about how to get creative with PR, which before this, I didn't even know you could get creative with PR. Uh, we talked about uh, what it takes to be an entrepreneur. I think at one point we even uh, fought over whether or not they should make more kinds of Oreos or not. I think, so, there, yeah. was a, I think there was a debate on that. <laughs> you know, and I w- was just amazed. Um, obviously, communications right now in the midst of COVID can be very challenging, but their firm specializes, Brian's firm specializes in uh, communicating regarding new product launches. And I can't think of a more challenging thing to have to do in the midst of COVID. So I thought this was uh, very, very relevant. And, and folks listening are going to get a lot of insights out of this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, why don't you tell us about our sponsor today? Absolutely. We are uh, thankful for Highmark Health uh, being our sponsor. Highmark Health is a tremendous uh, partner and member of the Pennsylvania Chamber. They employ more than 35,000 people who serve millions of Americans across the country. And they're the parent company of Highmark Inc., Allegheny Health Network, and Highmark Health Solutions. We'll have more about them at, later in the podcast, but let's, let's hear our conversation now with Brian Tedeschi. We're joined today on our business podcast here at the Pennsylvania Chamber with Brian Tedeschi, who is the president, CEO, and the founder of Think Communications. Uh, they're a member of the Pennsylvania Chamber of Business and Industry, and they've been serving clients out in the Western Pennsylvania area and, frankly, uh, across the state uh, for quite some time. And we're just thrilled to have Brian with us today. Brian, welcome. Thank you. I'm excited to be here and be, be a part of the efforts for the Chamber. So what is Think Communications? What, what, what makes your shop unique? Well, that's a great question. I mean, there's a lot of ad agencies and PR firms out there for companies to to partner with. Uh, I, I think what makes us uh, a little unique is we've been around a long time. We, the firm has been uh, around since 1998. You know, 22, 23 years kind of a kind of an experience that we've we, we've uh, we've gone through. And uh, the firm, when it was first launched, uh, was really we we combined the, the disciplines of both create creative and advertising, you know, design, if you will, with public relations, which at that time was pretty novel, believe it or not. While there might have been an ad agency that had a PR person sitting in the corner, uh, you know, that was sort of one model, and uh, maybe a PR firm had a creative person uh, making, uh, you know, some color uh, a deeper blue or something, but it, but there was no unique what I'll call a double-barreled shotgun with respect to both the disciplines of creative advertising and design combined with public relations. And when we did that, you know, PR became a lot more creative and the creative product became a lot more strategic as a result. But over the years, as you might imagine, we had to really adapt and adopt uh, new ways of working because our clients kept asking for more. We, 
did a good job, I think. And, and they kept asking us to do more. And so we, we've really fully emerged as a, as an integrated marketing communications firm that provides a whole spectrum of services to our clients. And, uh, you know, that's, that's sort of who we are. We're both based in the Pittsburgh area with offices in the South side and a great staff of people who, uh, I would be nothing without them today. So, you, you know, when I hear <laughs> PR and creativity in the same sentence, I have trouble wrapping my head around that because I'm thinking PR, I'm thinking press releases. Uh, how, how do you make, how do you make PR creative? Well, I, I'll tell you, you know, it's, it's a lot, um, it has a lot to do with the soul of, I think, our company. And, I, and, I'll, and I'll tell you, years ago, uh, you know, our, my email address is brian at thinkcreativity.com. And we made a deliberate uh, decision to uh, really think about creativity being the soul of who we are, right? Because, the, because you really have to be unique in terms of how you approach problems for clients. They, they all have the same sort you know, you know, everybody has an objective, everybody needs a strategy, everybody has a target audience, but how you go with those things is different for everybody. And so it was this idea about creativity, about the kinds of cre- creative solutions we could bring forward versus writing press releases. You can get a lot of people to write press releases for you. Uh, but the, the, really the soul of who we are is, is this idea of of making people better. And that's our mission statement, frankly. I, you know, a lot of companies have these big, long mission statements with a lot of fancy words in them. And, that, and those are great. And they serve a purpose, I guess. But I personally wanted something that was extremely accessible and digestible and bite-sized for people. And easy for me, frankly. <laughs> you know, because if I could say, if our mission is just to make people better, we're making our clients better. We're making ourselves better. We're making our company better. We're making our communities better. We're making our families better. And those are the things that matter. You know, when you talk about creativity, uh, you and I had spoke earlier about this uh, amazing story, the client that you had, and um, uh, as you approached their problem, found out kind of a unique way and a unique audience that they needed to focus on. Yeah, this was a great, it's a great example of really, uh, you see a lot of companies, you know, they sort of come to us with a problem. I mean, nobody calls an ad agency or a PR agency because everything's great. You know, they they call us because we are, you know, not to sort of be dramatic about it, but we're saving lives a lot of times, you know, people's jobs and careers and their challenges and, and they need help. And so they, they sort of come to us with a problem. And in this particular case, the one you're referring to is for an automotive glass manufacturer. And they came to us with these sort of grand objectives of reaching all of these people all over the world to introduce their, 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 uh, their product to the market space. And when they did so, uh, it became apparent that uh, they were really going in the wrong direction from our standpoint. So what we were able to do, and I should mention, you know, my firm does a tremendous amount of product launch. I mean, that's really the heart of our business these days is product launch, in particular in the healthcare uh, medical device space, for example. But back to the story about the automotive glass, you know, at the time, uh, you know, they, they had this grand idea, but we said, look, based on what you're telling us, it really only seems like there's probably 21 people on the face of the planet you want to get your product in front of and get introduced to. So the objective became less about spreading the good news about this product, 
and it became more about how can we help our client get a meeting with these 21 people so that they can talk with them about the solution they can provide for them. And so that's the road we went down and putting that product in the market space and into the, into the hands of these 21 people, we devise a very unique way of, of going at them, a very sort of dimensional direct marketing uh, strategy to separate uh, our client's brand when it hit the desks of these 21 people. And wouldn't you know it, uh, I'm going back in my memory now, but I think we got 19 out of 21 meetings on our target list. Wow. And that's just a simple, it wasn't simple. It took a lot of work to get there. But it was an example of being creative about how to go at the solution rather than just trying to be all things to all people. Do, do you think, um, I feel like this is common in the marketing world, Like, so that that client perhaps came to you with an idea and they, they didn't know what their problem was or they, they didn't, or they didn't know what their objective was. Maybe that's a better way of saying it. Do you get that a lot? A, a, a tremendous amount. You know, we're, we're, clients have, a, have often have a, a clear view of their objective, but once we start peeling back the onion of, of why is that your objective, <laughs> you know, and what are you trying to actually do? Uh, why, why haven't you been able to do that yet? Um, you know, those are things that when you start to, peel that back sometimes clients are just too close to it and you know they can't um you know when you start asking those kinds of questions they the light bulbs you can see it start to go off and and they they often they often find that a strengthening opportunity for their objective well how do you approach a new client i mean you you know obviously um they're coming to you with a problem as you said they're coming to you with a a, a challenge which they need uh, additional minds around, uh, you know, how do you start with them? Well, I mean, there's lots of ways to start with a client. A lot of clients come to us at different phases of their journey. Um, but I will tell you that we have a, a system in, in the agency we created way back when that we still apply today. And it's a fairly simple but robust system called the ThinkSmart system. And really what that does is, uh, provide an opportunity for clients to, you could call it onboarding if you want, but it's more about uh, first let's understand um, what the objectives are, you know, what the target audience is, uh, the discovery phase of the process uh, and, and really understand uh, why uh, a client wants to do something, not just what they want to do. And, Lots of times the answer to the why question is different than the what question, obviously, but mm. it can be very telling. So then after we sort of get the discovery down, we actually build the plan and and then the, the phase of implementation is we're building the plan is the second part. The implementation is the third part. And then the fourth part, which a lot of people sort of lose track of. And this is a thread that runs through all of the other parts of the Think Smart system, and that is the, the those are the metrics. And metrics have never been more important than today, because you can get metrics almost in real time. You know, twenty years ago or so, when I started the company, you know, metrics were important, but it involved uh, you know baseline surveys and in market surveys and uh, post campaign surveys to see the differences. You can almost see some of that that data emerge. Some you know simultaneously with your campaigns. So the metrics are extremely important. So if we, as we walk people through that think smart system, some clients 
come to us already with a, an idea of what they want to do. Sometimes they've already outlined how they want their plan to work and they just need the, they need us to help bring their product, you know, to the launch pad and, and, and help them blast off, so to speak. When, you, so, when you're, when you're talking about metrics, are you, are you saying, um, not just reviewing them, but sort of setting, setting a goal in advance. Is that kind of what, what you're saying before you even get into the implementation? Setting a goal in advance is absolutely part of it. It's part of that discovery session about, okay, what are we actually trying to do? You know, because mm-hmm. you know, if I hear one more person say, we're going to raise awareness, uh, you, know, it's, <laughs> you know, I mean, no, yes, no kidding. You know? you know, I used to have a professor in college tell me, I went to Ohio University at the Scripps School of Journalism down there. Um, and I used to have a, a professor tell me, uh, you know, you know, if, if somebody comes in an interview for your for a position and they and the reason they give you why they want to work for your company or why they want to be in this industry is because they like people. You need to run away from them because like dogs like people, too, you know, so. <laughs> so, so you know, it's sort of this notion of, uh, look, yeah, we know you want to raise awareness. No kidding. You know, but you know, so it's about, you know, what are the, what you know, can we peg a number? Can we set a target? Can we work up against a goal? Um, those are much more meaningful discussions and experiences for both us and the client because we can act. Now we know actually what we're doing. So you're dealing a lot with product launches and that's become yeah. one of the main expertise yeah areas for think communications where do you see as some of the main mistakes that companies are making when they think about launching a new product well i'll tell you uh you know product launch whether it's a product whether it's a service uh bringing that to market takes an incredible amount of courage and the thing that we tell our clients is to, if you're going to start, keep going. One of the biggest mistakes we see clients do uh, is that they, they're they not consistent. You know, they, they set out with this grand idea and they, and they push to the market space and they, they, they get there, but then they don't put the horsepower behind it to sustain the message. I mean, there's a reason why Coca-Cola, I'm going to make this up, spends, you know, $600 million a year, but I'm probably pretty close or, 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 and then some, you know, say a billion dollars a year they spend reminding you to drink Coke. Like you've never seen a Coke before in your life. (laughs) Right. I mean, you know, so they understand the value of consistency and top of mind for the purchaser. And that, that's the biggest challenge with a lot of companies because they run out of steam, uh, they, you know, they use a change in change of the guard, uh, they run out of money, uh, you know, they can't deliver the product that they promised to the market space. You know, there's a lots of reasons why, why it, it can go sideways on, on, a, on a company. Now, now, for those that don't have a billion dollars, um, I'll, I'll count us among, among <laughs> those. Um, so, <laughs> but you still want to maintain, you know, that presence, keep that message going. Like what, what, what's your advice to smaller companies? Well, that, that is really part of this discovery phase of the Think Smart system. And that is how much do you want to bite off? Can you bite off and how much can you chew? Right? Yeah. So, as long as we can figure that out on the upfront, 
then that gives us the opportunity to be very deliberate. And, and what we what we see with our clients is oftentimes it's a phased approach going into the market space where it's a phased campaign where phase one is is this. OK, great. We, we're going to sign this amount of money to get it off the ground. Uh, we're then phase two is going to be this part of it. Um, you know, every new product has what they call, you know, as we all know in the business world, a life cycle, right? And there's this sort of notion of the S-curve where a product is introduced and it sort of grows very dramatically, many times like the shape of a hockey stick. But then eventually that that stick is going to bend and that product is going to ebb and, and it's going to flow and it's going to come downward. It's going to come off of its peak, let's say. So you always, that's why iPhone introduces a new phone every 10 minutes, you know, because they want to get, they want to move that S curve forward. And, and that is, and if, as long as we know the, the phases and how much our clients can swallow operationally, then marketing can do its job. And, and that's a, that's an important point really, because I, I cannot tell you how many product launch and uh, go to market strategies we talk about with clients how, however, internally they're often misaligned. Operations doesn't really have marketing at the table, or marketing doesn't have operations at the table, and we see that being a disconnect oftentimes relative to their, their internal expectations. And so, I, you know, that's something else. Companies that's how, that's how things can go sideways with companies. Well, it certainly sounds like in, in, as part of your conversations, you're almost um, counseling how to uh, allocate their resources internally and some other conversations that need to happen internally, not just um, what they need to do from an external standpoint. Oh, th that's absolutely right. I mean, we, we, we have found ourselves over the years being more business consultants, if you will, and business strategists many times for companies. Lots of times we tell companies, you don't, you don't need a marketing campaign. You, know? you, you just need to do maybe this instead of this. Um, maybe you don't need an external campaign. Maybe you just need an internal campaign. You know, a lot of times, Bill, we, we look at, I've sort of had this theory over the years is that we're like, um, we're like the, the, the folks at a concert, like uh, sitting back at the soundboard. I mean, our clients are the folks on the stage and they're playing music and their music is a product. Their music is a message, whatever that might be. And they're, they're trying to, spread their their music out to the audience right their target audiences you know they want them to feel good about what they're hearing and listening and seeing lights and smoke and music whatever it is and we're the guys often at the at the soundboard or the control board back in the back of the room adjusting the levels you know what people need to hear what should they hear when should they hear it how loud should they hear it how soft should it be um can we isolate something? Is something more of an internal audience versus an external audience? How can we address address the levels on that soundboard to make the music uh, most optimal for the target audience? And that's a, there's a knack to that, I think. And you have to sort of think way beyond, Rick, to your point earlier about press releases. This is no longer about writing press releases. This is about being a business strategist to help our clients move forward. Yeah. And, you know, obviously we're living in COVID times, yep. um, you know, and now everyone's jumped into the digital space. I mean, everyone should have been in the digital space. Now, whether you were or not, everyone is in the digital space. So now it's even harder um, 
for your message to get out there. And so it's probably more important than ever to have someone like you adjusting the levels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 I mean, it's definitely, uh, I mean, COVID has upended uh, a, a lot of thinking, right. And how you go to market. Uh, for example, I just heard some statistics earlier today. I'm not going to get them correct. So I'm not going to pretend to rattle them off, but the you know, direct marketing has, remains and is extremely strong. And when I mean direct marketing, I mean, in your mailbox strong. I mean, in, uh, you know, people getting a tangible item, a letter, a, 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 a piece of something, a, 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 something that they can grasp onto because the digital space, while it's still growing, there is no doubt about it. And digital direct marketing is still growing and will continue to do so. People want that connection. And COVID has reminded us that this is about the personal touch. This is about the touch and um, an opportunity to meet people in a different way than, than the sort of fragmented digital space that we've all sort of come to know and love. So how are you advising clients right now then to take advantage of that? What, what type of advice are you giving now that perhaps you were not as focused on a year ago? Well, I don't know that we weren't focused on it a year ago. We have always been, we have always been very deliberate about delivering a layered strategy to our clients. And what I mean by that is, digital is not the silver bullet. There's a lot of companies out there that'll fall on the sword when it comes to the, you know, their, their digital acumen, and God bless them. I'm sort of the, of the camp that digital is an is an error in the quiver. It's part of the marketing scheme. It's part of the marketing paradigm. It's part of the spectrum of strategies you deploy uh, for market segmentation. Clearly, some audiences are more online than others. Um, if, if, I were, if I wanted to reach women 25 to 54, I would be on Facebook, right? But uh, you know, the preponderance of men are not necessarily on Facebook. So just, you know, just from a sort of an audience, just it's a very simple mm. audience segmentation. But so it, it really demands a different way of looking at the, at the clients, the, excuse me, the clients target audiences and understanding what are the buttons and what are the levers and what are the fulcrums that, that, that we can use to go with those audiences. So, you know, I don't know if there's any, so, you know, hard and fast solution, except to say that there's a, your a marketing campaign should be multi-layered, multifaceted, not singularly hooked to one strategy because it's, it's just not going to work over the long term. That makes a lot of sense, especially now when everybody is, is picking and choosing very, very different, um, Television networks, very, very different websites. Uh, it's it's mm -hmm. difficult to get everybody in one in one place, you know. Yep. So let me ask you, just your background. You know, you mentioned uh, going to Ohio University and, and mm -hmm. being in journalism. How did you go from there to to having your own company and and, and being an entrepreneur, uh, serving uh, businesses all you know of all sizes. Well, that's a, that's a great question. And I, you know, when I was a little boy, um, I always knew that I would own a company. I always wanted to own something. 
Uh, I don't know why I was like that. Uh, my mom and dad were not entrepreneurs. My dad was a steel worker. My mom was a, you know, a waitress for, you know, it, it wasn't, it wasn't like, you know, I came from that kind of thing. Um, but I always knew that I wanted to, to own a business. And so when I, I went to school, to your point about Ohio University, came out with a great degree at the School of Journalism there, Scripps School of Journalism at the time. And uh, it started in Columbus, Ohio, where I worked for about four years uh, at a pretty large firm. It was about an 80-person 80, 80 firm that did a tremendous amount of consumer work, uh, which sort of like I cut my teeth on that. Now, I came out sort of from on the journalism side of it, so I was more in the PR side of the business. But that agency was an ad agency with a PR division. You know, if you remember what I said a, long, a while back in our conversation, it was an ad agency with a PR person sitting over in the in the corner. <laughs> you know, it was that kind of a thing. You know, so right. so we we I, I sort of cut my teeth there, and then I moved back to the Pittsburgh area uh, and took a position at Burson Marsteller, which is one of the world's largest PR firms, uh, at the, and was at the time for sure, and was. A uh, great experience. Worked on a lot of great clients. Uh, you know, global clients uh, out of that firm. And it, oddly, I was able to keep up my advertising pedigree because because that office at Burson in Pittsburgh was the only office in their network that had both an advertising and PR component. All the other offices were primarily straight, straight PR. So I still had that creativity thread running through my career. Then I went to the steel industry for about four years and um, uh, ran national marketing programs for the steel industry, for environmental initiatives and recycling initiatives. And uh, and then I, and right after that, I, I, I had an opportunity to, uh, to start Think Inc. And, uh, or Think Communications, as, <laughs> and we, uh, we, we were off and running. And so that's, that was sort of my entrepreneurial journey. I mean, I... It, it, Really, it comes down to courage. It comes down to like looking at looking in yourself in the mirror one day and saying, "I am going to do this." There's a lot of people who want to own companies and say, "Oh, I wish I owned this, or I wish I owned that, or you must it must be great." Blah blah blah. And and those are all true things, but the biggest thing is being courageous about the decision to do so. Because once you make the decision to do so, that's eighty percent of the issue. The other 20% of it is, where's my office going to be? What's my name going to be? How big are my business cards going to be? It's all process after that. 80% of it is guts. Well, good for you because uh, I, and I, I think this is a good thing. That I know this about myself. I am not an entrepreneur. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, just, I, I think I figured that out early on about myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, but kudos to you and kudos to everyone that's, that's out there doing it. Cause yeah, I do. I totally agree. I think it takes a lot of guts. You have to, you have to be willing to fail, right? Absolutely. I mean, I, I fail more than I succeed, you know, as, as they say, you know, I, I learn a lot along the way and I've learned a lot of things and some things I've even forgotten what I learned happens, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's not, uh, it's not for the faint of heart, but at the same time, it it's not, it, you know, people, people can achieve it. People can do it, you know? And so it's, uh, they just have to, you know, they just have to try, you know? So as you, yeah. as you sit down with potential clients or your existing folks, um, being an entrepreneur, does that give you kind of an extra, I don't know, I want to say it, an, an extra edge or an extra ability to understand their challenges or their worries 
um, as they're trying to lead their own companies? Well, absolutely. I mean, especially if we're, we're working with the founder of the company or, you know, because, um, you know, I understand risk, you know, and I, and we treat their money like it's like, it's, you know, you know, I'm very cognizant of the fact that they are investing in this process and they better get their money's worth. Right. And so they, so we try very hard to make sure they get all their money's worth and more because I understand their risk. I understand their, their, their sleepless nights, perhaps. I understand their, you know, concerns and their, and their perhaps fears, you know, I don't mean to sound negative about it, but I also understand their, their positive, you know, approach to like, Hey, I started this company so I, so it could succeed. And we're, we're honored to help them do that. Um, so I absolutely understand uh, when their name's on the door, it, it means something. So this has been great. I mean, uh, just understanding how uh, companies can rely on a firm like yours and, and understand that when they're getting uh, this type of uh, PR, communication, advertising, the whole sphere of uh, strategic communication to, to understand how it's beyond just launching a product or um, I'll, I'll, I'll never be able to say name recognition or uh, um, <laughs> I'll, I'll never be able to, you know, go through that phrase again. Yeah, if you yeah. could uh, kind of, as we close up, yeah. put on your crystal ball for a second, put on your uh, um, uh, soothsaying hat yeah. and tell us what, what do you see changing in, in communication marketing over the next five years? Well, I, I'll tell you, I, I was, it's a great question and it's a hard question to answer because so much is unknown, you know, that we've experienced these past few uh, months and, um, you know, it's, it's hard to, you know, crystal ball the, so to speak, the future. But, uh, I think, I think what we're going to see is, and I've noticed this in the grocery store, especially, and I, I think we might see it in other parts of the, you know, the in other industries as well. Uh, you know, we've seen companies sort of, uh, so I'm, I'm going to speak on the consumer side of the, the equation, but we've seen companies sort of, uh, take out, take products out of their, their suite of products and sort of the, you know, how many, how many different Oreos do we need, right? We have red velvet Oreo. We have the regular Oreo. We have the chocolate chocolate Oreo. We have, you know, how many, Oreos? wait, 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 there's never enough Oreos. Okay. There's never enough Oreos. If Nabisco's listening. Yeah. Keep... I love Oreos. It's not about Oreos. I'll, I'll eat them with the best of them. It, it's a, it's about this notion of, you know, I think companies are looking at, ways that they can streamline their products for consumers. Yeah. Coca-Cola because... is doing this right now. Isn't that, isn't that correct? I think. Yeah. Coca-Cola is doing it. There are a number of other companies, you know, a lot of uh, consumer goods package companies, uh, uh, you know, household good uh, products uh, that are doing it as well. I mean, they're looking at ways where they can, you know, c consumers are inundated. We are, we are drowning in product. And I, I think that, what COVID might precipitate is this notion of this notion of how can we streamline and be better companies and manufacturers for our consumers to give them what they want instead of just creating another product extension of an existing product. Right. I, I think that's going to be important. And, and I, I think, 
I think people are smarter these days. You know, I mean, I, I read it. I read a tremendous amount, Bill. I know you and I have talked about this in other worlds, but, but I mean, I, like I, I've read probably, you know, maybe other folks have read a lot more, but I've probably read 12 books since March, you know, about different things. I mean, I, I read, uh, the Entrepreneurial Journey by uh, John Waldron, who owns Waldron Private Wealth here in, in, in the Pittsburgh area. Great book about the entrepreneurial journey, if anybody's interested in, in understanding that. that. Um, I just read a book by Dan Irely called Predictably Rational, which is about how we make decisions, You know how companies get us to sort of buy things and why we make decisions and the way that we do. It's, it's, it's almost, it, it, it is, it's, it's actually purely behavioral economics. Um, you know, and that is, you know, th- those are the things that I think, you know, consumers are much smarter today and they're much more savvy and we're going to continue to see that take shape. Boy, that's great. Hey, thank you so much, Brian, for, for joining us today. And, uh, if folks want to get a hold of you and learn more about Think Communications, where can they go? Uh, well, they're welcome to contact me directly. It's Brian with an I, B-R-I-A-N, at thinkcreativity.com, T-H-I-N-K, creativity.com. Uh, they're welcome to call. Uh, the office is 412-281-9228, although <laughs> there are many. We're not exactly there these days, but uh, you know, but certainly my email is probably the best, uh, the best way to, to, to snag me. Sounds good. Hey, thanks yep. so much. Stay safe, and we appreciate your time today. Thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. And uh, we really appreciate the opportunity to work with the PA uh, uh, Chamber. You guys do a great job and you really stand up for uh, companies doing the right thing. Thank you for listening to the All Business Podcast from the Pennsylvania Chamber. Don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss any of our upcoming episodes. We'd like to thank today's sponsor, Highmark Health. Highmark Health employs more than 35,000 people who serve millions of Americans across the country, is the parent company of Highmark Inc., Allegheny Health Network, and Highmark Health Solutions. Highmark and its subsidiaries and affiliates provide health insurance to more than 5.6 million members in Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Delaware, as well as dental insurance and related health products through a national network of diversified businesses. Allegheny Health Network is an integrated delivery network comprised of 13 hospitals, more than 2,500 affiliated physicians, ambulatory surgery centers, an employed physician organization, home and community-based health services, a research institute, a group purchasing organization, and health and wellness pavilions in Western Pennsylvania. Highmark Health Solutions is focused on meeting the information technology platform and other business needs of the Highmark Health Enterprise, as well as unaffiliated health insurance plans by providing proven business processes, expert knowledge, and integrated cloud-based platforms. To learn more, visit highmarkhealth.org. The All Business Podcast is produced by the PA Chamber in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, USA, copyright 2020. With almost 10,000 member organizations, the Pennsylvania Chamber advocates for job creation and greater prosperity across the Commonwealth. Visit our website at pachamber.org to learn more about us, our members, and how to become a part of the statewide voice of business. We'll see you next time.